Welcome back to the Cuddy and Gavi Show. We're on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Apple. We're here today. We're right before the Thanksgiving holiday. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. And we are thankful for everything that we have. We're down here in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. We're safe. We're comfortable. We have all these guys protecting us and... Um, you know, we have this Israeli war going on, which is horrific, and we're just blessed. So um, we're here today to talk about our uh, podcast, and of course, we want Gavi to talk about his picks. Last week, I think, Gavi, what were you, two and two? I was yeah. two and two. Two and two. Your Eagles won. They blew them out. That was a three-point spread. They did great. Uh yeah, I had uh, University of Miami lost. They didn't cover. They stink. You know, they got to get rid of yeah. them. People won't understand, but we got to switch them from an Adidas school to a uh, Nike school. Is this his first year, that coach, or second year? Second year. Second year. He's okay. a great uh, recruiter. He's just a horrible yeah. – he's just brain dead. And uh, Penn State covered by a half a point. Uh, so that was a winner. And uh, But today, this, this week, I have some picks for college football and the NFL. Being Thanksgiving, there's games all week and everything. So if we wanted to, uh, if we want to start off with uh, uh, some college picks, I like Old Miss. That is the Eli Manning, Archie Manning's uh, alma mater over Mississippi State, and that's wow. that's ten points. I'm going Jeez. with the Old Miss minus ten. Then I like Memphis minus eleven over Temple. Because just keep betting against Temple, Temple for the next 20 years. <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving. Everybody doesn't understand this school. You could just make a living just betting against Temple. So just keep betting against Temple until people start waking up that they're really like uh, who they are. And um, then there's the big game, Michigan-Ohio State. Boy, how many people will be at that? 120,000? Yeah, it's in the big house. It's uh, Wow. So, uh, you know, I'll never, uh, I'll never forget Jim Rome had a... Uh, podcast before there was really podcasts, and I remember he was calling in to predict, uh, asking people to predict the scores, and they had all the Michigan people and Ohio State people, and uh, you know it started getting a little chippy where Michigan people were saying that the Ohio State people aren't as bright as the Michigan people, and one caller called in from Ohio State and said, "I predict Ohio State wins the game, 28 to 28." <laughs> and, and from that on, there was like 100 calls of Michigan saying we rest our case. But that being said, I like Michigan minus three over Ohio I'm State. I'm writing this one down. So I'm I like Michigan minus three over Ohio State. And another in-state game, I like Clemson minus seven over South Carolina. And then we can jump to the NFL because it's Turkey Day, and what's uh, you got to bet uh, the Detroit Lions minus seven and a half over Green Bay. If if there's ever a year, where's the game? Do you know? It's in Detroit every year for the last uh, hundred so years. I wonder if it'll be cold. It'll be freezing. It's indoor. Uh, it's an indoor stadium. Indoor. Okay. But if the Detroit Lions were ever to like finally win like on Thanksgiving, and right. it's, it, this is it without Brett Favre being for. Uh, not Brett Farr, uh, Aaron Rodgers for Green Bay. So the Lions minus seven and a half. Dallas, which always plays on Thanksgiving, I like them minus 12 and a half over I Washington. What, I love when they show, when Dallas is losing, they have that screenshot of Jerry Jones in, pay, in pain in his super box. You know? he's, he just sits there in pain as they're losing. He's the greatest gift ever for the Philadelphia Eagles because why every, every other team gets a general manager to run their $9 billion franchise, right. he decides he's still playing like baseball cards with himself. So as long as he wants to play general manager at 83 years old, he's just outclassed by Howie Roseman every single year. And that's why the Eagles can replace uh, six starters on defense and two on offense, and they don't miss a beat in their 9-1. and one. Imagine that. They replaced six starters on defense, and here they are, 9-1, and one, best record in football. And Jerry Jones, I mean, during his tenure, how many coaches has he had? He's had at least five. The, five last, the last time Dallas was in the Super Bowl, 
the Betamax just came out, and you would have, he have to. He had Barry Switzer, right? Yeah, Barry Switzer. Jimmy Johnson Jimmy was Johnson the, was the thing. Then Barry Switzer inherited Jimmy Johnson's yeah. team, and then after that, it was just. Uh, it was horrible. And then I like the Denver Broncos because they're after they got schlacked by the Miami Dolphins and they let do, the Dolphins put 70 points on the board, they are a different ball club. I give uh, hats off to uh, Sean Payton. So I like Denver minus one and a half over the Cleveland Browns. I think Cleveland is uh, who they are without, their, uh, without a quarterback. So, uh, again, you know, uh, I went to Cleveland. I got to see it firsthand. There you were. It's sad. See all those sad faces being stuck in that depressing. So you have city. what do you then? You have six games this week. What do you have? Yes. Three college, three pro. pro. All right, let's see how we do. You know what they say? The vig. Yeah. Is let's an see. mf. Yeah. You know the vig is crazy. So that's why uh, my football picks. So we're down here. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I'm fortunate enough. I'm going to give a little narcissistic rant here. I'm fortunate enough. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law are down here, and my son-in-law. I can't use his name because he has sponsors. He has 6 million Instagram followers. So because our show is somewhat political, he can't come on it. Probably doesn't like me that much anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so he's kind of helping us out. We're growing here. We're at over 190,000 listeners, so we're exploding. uh, But we're nowhere compared to him. He has 6 million. Can he throw us just a mill? Yeah, I mean, if he came on a show, please come on a show. Throw us a mill. But he can't because we talk politics and he has sponsors and he can't. But anyway... So, obviously, they're down here this week, and they said, you know, hey, Dad, how about we go skydiving? So, I have a little clip of us skydiving here, but let me start out by saying it was west of Palm Beach by about an hour. So, you're driving about an hour in a car, and you're talking and whatever, and we go into this little dumpy airport west of Palm Beach. I don't even know... Pacalo Town or something like grass that. Grass runway? No, no, okay, no. Sometimes they have grass well, there was runways. grass growing through the okay, runway. Okay, but they have a lot of grass <laughs> runways here with the, you know, dust croppers. There was grass growing through the runway. Anyway, we get there. The plane that you go up in is a 1956 old crop duster. No seats in it. So right away you're scared. And we went at the end of the day, you know, to, to try and jump during the sunset. And it's the three of us, and the guy says, well, we can only let two, two, two instructors that you're strapped to for each one, my son, son-in-law and my daughter. So two can go up in the first plane, and one goes up in the third. So being the generous guy that I am, I said, well, why don't you two go up first, figuring <laughs> if they didn't make it, you know. <laughs> so anyway, these guys were retired Navy SEALs. They were jacked-up dudes. So... Now it's my turn. They, they do their thing, and they come down, and now it's my turn. And I said to the guy, the former Navy SEAL, how many uh, jumps did you do today? He says, well, you'll be my knife, but I'm really tired. <laughs> I said, oh, well, that doesn't sound too good. Then he goes against the wall, and he has the parachutes, like in three duffel bags, three parachutes, and he turns to the other guy. He says, which one of these duffel bags has that blue chute? It didn't go off so well last time <laughs> I was up there. I don't want to take that blue parachute with me. And I'm like sitting there and they're laughing at me. You know, they're just trying to jerk me off. So anyway, we're going to play like a minute or a minute and a half of my old sorry ass coming out of this plane. But it was just cool. Your as cheeks hell. were flapping. I know. You Well, you drop. When you leave the plane, you're at 10,000 feet. When you leave the plane, it's called Skydive Palm Beach. We're giving a shout-out to these guys, Skydive Palm Beach. When you leave the plane, the the free fall is 120 miles an hour. You just have no consciousness. It's like crazy stuff. All right, let's give it a roll, Uh, a roll, Ben. Welcome to Skydive Palm Beach. All right, we're ready to go. So, ready to jump out of an airplane? Yes, sir. Are you crazy? (laughs) Well, you've seen these two jump already. Yeah. Did that make you more or less nervous? I'm not nervous at all. Oh, boy, we can change that. All right. (laughs) Any last words before we jump? Let's go. All right, let's go. (laughs) Let's do it. Unbelievable. Here's the dumpy plane. 
Just one instructor with you. Yeah. Look at you. Look at your face. <laughs> wow. Do you feel like you're flying there? It's just the craziest. He tells thing. you to put your arms up like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Otherwise, you can go into a, like I guess a somersault. No, this guy was jacked up. He knew what he was doing. He had ten thousand. Did that jumps. hurt your arms keeping it up like that with all the pressure? You know, you're you go. You're, Listen to this part. Hey. Woo, Daddy! Wow, that was a... <laughs> All right, you want to keep... How was it? It was amazing. Yeah. That was the coolest fucking thing I've it's ever done. something else, huh? That is great. The only thing is my balls are killing me. All right, let's try to fix that. Nah, nah, nah. Hey, how was that? This guy looks sad. like Rob O'Neill, the guy that <laughs> killed Osama bin Laden. Yes, he does. You know, he was 37 years old. He's had 10,000 jumps, former Navy SEAL, jacked up dude. And, you know, with all the kidding and everything like that, you felt very confident. I mean, this guy literally could hang from the plane, you know, by, by his fingernails and, you know, make it down. But so it was so much fun. I urge everybody to at least try it. I'm 66 years old. I did it. I would, you know, I uh, I went in a hot air balloon, and they have you going through all this process before you get on it, right. where you're like nervous. But you get in a hot air balloon, you float like a leaf. There is no like, like turbulence. There's no bumps, and uh, it's really no big deal. But this, this just like that's like jumping off. A, every time, do you ever think that sometimes you get pushed off of a building? What it must be like, and that's only well, 9/11. How about all the people that jumped? So what was that like? Well, I guess you have the fire roaring behind you. I mean, you really don't have a choice. You figure, I guess I'm going to die. So don't I you think well... every building? Don't you think every one of those buildings should have little parachutes? Just a single parachute, like just for one person that you right. can like go. Would you think you'd be able to land from like a world trade if you pull it immediately? I don't know. How, how high do you think it is? A thousand feet? It's really higher than that. Yeah. I don't know, but this is pretty cool. I would urge everybody to at least do it. You know, look, everybody has a bucket list. Kentucky Derby, Indy 500, Augusta. This isn't even on my bucket list. It's not on your bucket uh, no, list? Not well, close. it's not on mine anymore either. Yeah. You know, one and done. Anyway, so we had a crazy week. There's so much stuff going on in the news with the um, Israeli war, with the U.N. Gabby, why don't you fill us in on the U.N. workers? This was great. Yeah, you know, it's it's something. This war, because it's being uh, exposed, you know, you, today you're watching a war live. You're watching uh, different than even, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You're watching with these reporters on the ground it's very important that the people bringing you the news, you got to know who they are now. It's no longer like this one works for CNN, this one works for NBC. You have to know who are they working for CNN. Are they just freelance people? Are they employees? Because the, the, their viewpoint is what you're going to see. So, for instance, uh, the uh, CNN had to fire a freelance writer, and NBC just fired someone that were actually basically Hamas supporters giving you an unbiased view of things. So, I mean, when, that's just so unconscionable. When you think about, you know, fair and balanced news, how, how can you have a Hamas sympathizer? Because when they give you the news and you're watching Lester Holt on NBC News giving you this side, that's how you see the Palestinian protesting in New York. It, it all but isn't fuels the NBC fire. But is NBC owned by Comcast? They are. And Comcast is controlled by 
a, a Jewish Jew family, right? Yeah, Brian Roberts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's crazy. Uh, it's like that you, just shows you there's really independence between him. You know, it's not good, but what's good is there's independence he between him. He steps aside and yeah. lets the people do it. So obviously he wouldn't have made a decision to have a Hamas no, loving person to, that they hired, and you know they ended up firing the person. But you know it comes to the UN, and you know everybody. When I was younger, I always looked at the UN as in this uh, high standard that, you know, they were there to help everybody. And then you get to see how they handled, how they handled COVID, how they're in bed with the Chinese. And you find out that there were all these UN hospital doctors working in the Palestinian uh, hospital. And the one in Gaza. And the one in Gaza. Right. And they knew that the military base was below the hospital, and they were and they were also told that they would be shot if they went down certain parts of the hospital. They knew it was so, off limits. But wait, let's stop. They said for a they minute. would be shot. Okay, so these UN doctors that were working in the hospital knew the Hamas was the headquarters was below the hospital. So maybe. They felt safer because they know that the Israelis would not target a hospital. So they felt safer, but at the same time, they never let on knowing, you know, Israel kept saying that's where the military bases are. And, uh, you know, that's where they brought the hostages. They brought some of the hostages there, and uh, some of them have passed away. Uh, They found one uh, today, a young woman that was uh, 19 years old, I believe, uh, they found that she uh, died. That's why some of these hostages, they're releasing 50. But anyway, the U.N., it's just something that all these doctors are there. Uh, you know, you have uh, people. Well, then your idea, you, Gavi has a bri- he's a problem solver. So he has a brilliant idea, scorecard for politics. And wouldn't that help with these bias NBC and CNN workers. I mean, you know, why don't you explain to our 190,000 plus audience well, what's a scorecard of power? I thought it was a great idea. Well, right now, where where you would have like a Kelly Blue Book for cars. So, like, if you don't know anything about what a 1982. Uh, Chevy Camaro's worth. There's a book that tells you what it's worth. So if you wanted to sell it, you kind of know where you're at from one dealer to another. Same way with watches. You know, there's a way that if you have a uh, a steel Daytona Rolex, you kind of know what the value is. That someone's not going to offer you two thousand dollars for a watch that's worth a lot more money than that. Well. In politics, you have all these people spending tons of money telling you to vote for me, let it be Republican, Democrat, and they're telling you all the issues that they're going to vote for. So you cast your vote saying maybe the guy is pro-life, maybe he's pro-choice, it could be he's for securing the border. Thousands of different areas that maybe appeal to you, might not be all of them, maybe 80% you agree with them. And then you find out you never know how he voted. There's all these in the House. There's all these votes every week, but you don't know how your guy did. And I think each week, like a baseball card where you get statistics, how a baseball player or fantasy football, how they did each week, each year. I think you should be able to look at a candidate and bring up right away. OK, this guy said he was going to vote for uh, pro-choice and he didn't. Or he voted for he's going to secure the border, and all of a sudden he voted uh, not to for the wall. Or, you know, uh, I want to give money to Ukraine, and he didn't. Uh, there's a lot of different issues. But I think that it should everything should be on the table, that if you're, you know, if you're for a senator— So you're saying like a particular website that'll go right to, you know, everybody's voting records? So yes, can... that way when the guy comes around uh, in two years or four years, depending if it's a congressman right. or senate, you could sit there and say, oh, that guy didn't tell the truth this time. Maybe I'll go with another candidate, rather than him saying the same thing. Year every time an election comes up, he knows the buzzwords to say. He says everything. You end up voting for him, and then all of a sudden we're back into the forever wars or stuff like that. I just think I would like to know. Okay, this is what he said. This is how he voted, and everybody should just be. I it should be trans. It should be transparent. It's a great idea. Repu- Republicans and Democrats. And by the way, same way if you're in the Democratic Party and you're the squad and you want to see how they voted. You know, you get to see, like, hey, this person, uh, I I can't vote if this person controls the House because of these four people. I'd rather the Democrats not be in control of the House because 
that could hurt my bigger the bigger picture because right. depending how many you know you could dissect it every different way did you see that reel with Megan Kelly Megan Kelly was great she was talking about the squad and she it's the first time I've ever seen her curse I guess it was a podcast and she was saying if you hate America so much get the fuck out of this country just fucking leave if you if you're a congressman and you hate you have this vitriolic hate for America fucking leave get out but they left a country that actually basically had them, you know, taking away all the women's rights. They come to this country where they get the freedoms, and now they want us to— Well, they want us to become them. They want us to come— to, You're here. Right. We're they not going to become you. They left their place to come here, and now right. they want us to conform, to go back right. to what they ran right. away from. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Well, they want to change our culture to be them, and it's just not going to work. I think my prediction, and you heard it here, is they get voted out. I mean, this—maybe not, maybe so. I mean, their their con constituents are mostly Palestinian up in that area where they in, are. In uh, up, up in, in, Dearborn, in Dearborn, Michigan, yeah. and in Minnesota, Minnesota for Omar. Yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, there's going to be another Democrat— that's going to run. It won't be a Republican that beats them, but there'll be another Democrat that's just common sense. I mean, our country is losing, is losing common sense. I mean, you look wow. at these, and I'm scared, by the way. I, I've never been as scared for the next generation to take over. I could tell you that my parents' generation and our generation, when I was nine years old, I remember riding my bike to a train station and then taking the train to no a, cell phones. No cell phone to a subway. Right. A subway down to the stadium, and I watched a baseball game, and a matinee, came back. I just had to be in before dinner time, you know, to look at the sky. That was my only indication, basically. And I was okay. Today, it's like you see these carpool lines at, at school at 2.30 in the afternoon. They're, and police sitting outside of every school now. Yeah, and it used every to, community, and every it even, school. And by the way, these parents are even scared for another parent to pick up their kid. You know, it used to be if you wanted to do carpool, you would get four other women, and you would say, I got them for one week, you get them for the next week, and that way, for one week a month, you did carpool. Now the parents are like, nope, I got it. Every single day I'm going to pick up my kid at 2.30 in the afternoon because I don't want little Tommy to take the bus because, you know what, there might be some bad people on the bus. It's like these kids are growing up just not the same way, and they get, uh, and, you know, all this Ivy League school. Look at their ideas. They're like. It's terrible what's going on with these Ivy League schools. It's just absolutely horrible. I mean, you know, my kids all went to these schools and they're renouncing their relationship. I mean, I've had a, my daughter's here this week. She went to Columbia and Columbia grad school. And um, she talks about it a lot. You know, she was, you know, had all this T-shirts, sweatshirts. Nobody wears them anymore. They tucked them away. And, you know, they're renouncing their, you know, I shouldn't speak for her. You know, maybe she'll speak sometime on the podcast. But, you know, she's not happy about what's going on. In the, but this is a subject that you talked about this week, you know, in our, prepara in our four minutes preparation for the show this week. I think we probably spent three this week. <laughs> But um, it's a strong three minutes that we do spend. But you talked about the kids are leaving Biden. You know, the kids voted for him last time. And now, you know, but he's they're leaving for different reasons. Why are they leaving? Why they're leaving not for not for like, by the way, for Donald Trump. They're leaving because the frat boys. Yeah. Yeah, frat boys, I'm talking to you here, okay? I'm talking to you. You know, you want to get a house. You want to get a house. You know, when, when, when Trump was in office, it was 2.5% was the mortgage rate. Now it's like 7.5%. You're going to be living with roommates your whole life. You're not going to be on your own. Or living at home like or, I do. Yeah, or, or, living, or living at home. Because the house that you wanted that was a, a million-dollar house, you might only be able to get a $500,000 house. And that house isn't going to maybe appeal to you. Or a $500,000 house is a $250,000 house. Not to mention cars, not to mention if you want to go on credit cards, you're, or rents that are high. You're spending 60% of your income just for your rent. So do you think Biden in the election loses the vote of the young, the young kids propelled him last time, and Obama too? I mean, he had all the college campus kids, and well, what? he doesn't know what to do. So right now, he's trying. Right now, he's trying to put something through uh, 
through Congress, that not even through Congress, through executive order, that he wants to take off another like $180 million in these student loans. What he wants to do is he wants to make it easy for students to declare bankruptcy, and it won't count against you. By the way, is that, is that what he's trying to do? Yeah, right. So they, they can wait. It's ridiculous. It ruins their credit forever. Right. But he's trying to make like it won't, wow. it, that it won't. So, by the way, it's going to be dinner conversation for Thanksgiving if it comes up. And you got all these people, by the way, if you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, what it is, is it's taxpayers' money that they borrowed that they're basically saying to the United States taxpayers, I'm not paying you back. I'm going to declare bankruptcy by this little thing, even though it's really they're not bankrupt, to avoid paying this. So the electrician, the plumber, the roofer, they should be stuck with this bill, even though they didn't go to college. Well, it's just ridiculous. How do, you how do you think a kid feels today? Let's say you're in college and you're working a job at night at Starbucks or Walmart or Target or something to pay for your college. And now everybody before you gets all their debt waived, but yet you're still, you know, you're paying your debt current. I mean, you can't be happy with Joe Biden. No, it just makes every happen if you have a next-door neighbor that uh, you took two jobs to put your kid through school. He decides to go on vacation the whole time. He looks like he's having a great time. You're working two jobs. You found out, oh, I got mine paid for. You should have waited. Too bad. So, you know, it's just the stuff that's just like what's unfair and these— uh, and you're asking people to like, like to to teach them, like to like walk away from the from a, from a commitment. It's like, by the way, what happens if all of a sudden uh, everybody that bought a car for their business, if it was uh, like I said, and like, say I'm not paying my Ford uh, F-150, I use it for work, I'm not paying it. Yeah, it's a it's bail a, me out. It's, it's a bad example. It's a bad example. But you know, I was listening to this thing this week about how much people make. And, you know, they talked about a school teacher. The average school teacher in America makes $80,000 a year. The average police officer makes like $90,000 a year. So guess how much a tattoo or the average American tattoo artist makes a year? What does a tattoo artist make a year? Anywhere between $250,000 and $500,000 a year, a tattoo artist. That's like shocking. Shocking. Yeah, I mean that's a huge amount of money, right? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying in any negative way what they're doing isn't hard. I just. I just was overwhelmed with that number. You know, you have a truck driver that drives for Walmart. He makes a hundred. So you're saying what's what's this? What's the range for a tattoo artist? Two hundred average in America. Okay. Average for a tattoo artist is two hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'm sitting there and I'm saying a, a tractor trailer driver for Walmart makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, driving one of those giant trucks, a tattoo artist, and I'm not saying anything negative against a tattoo artist, but he's making two and a half times lower end of the scale than a truck driver driving for Walmart or school teacher. Do you know why the uh why one tattoo artist probably makes 500 and the other one makes 250? Why? Because if you get a letter that you need written, like say the word blue, like that's a blue coat, you don't want one to spell it B-L-E-W. <laughs> and the guy that's making 500 knows it's B-L-U-E. You know, there's certain things that, you know. Or B-L-U. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that could be the difference of 500 and 250. I mean, it's just crazy when uh, you, but, and then they talk about this, going back to your student loan thing, and you're saying to yourself, well, here's a tattoo artist who's making 250000 to $500,000 a year, and I, I recognize cars are expensive and houses are expensive, but he signed up to pay for his student debt, and he's making a, a lot of money, two fifty to 500. He should Joe Biden shouldn't waive that for him. He should pay it. I mean, you know, if you well, he's trying to get votes right now. He's trying. He's doing everything he can, not for the good of the country, for the vote to win an election where it's enough already. It's like the country can't. You can't. It, it, it's just one. It's not fair, and uh, and I think you're setting you're setting a situation up where that you know what. That's where sometimes you say street smarts is better than book smarts. But here's something that came out today that was interesting. Here's telling you there was a poll of what all the different generations 
think they need. For instance, Gen Z. Gen what is Gen Z? I don't even know what that's Gen the newest. Is. That's the, the that's the young is, age. That's like I guess the eighteen year old, ten year old. Does right it have now. anything to do with sex? I don't mean to sound no, stupid. No, this is just money though. This is money. Oh, money. They think that they need a hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars a year. A Gen Z. Gen Z, and you need to have a net worth of four hundred eighty seven thousand dollars in the bank. That's their what they think they need. For, to live an average life. Right, to have that in the bank and to make uh, 128000 And I think the average American now makes about 60000 a year or something like right. that. Right, so then the next generation is the millennials. Now, the millennials, they want 500 That's like in your mid-30s now, okay. 40 years old. Uh, they want $525,000 a year salary. $525,000. $525,000. And you need to have a net worth of 1.7 million, just under 1.7, 1699. Well, think about that. You run a large company. Your family does. I mean, how many people in your company make 525,000 a year? Well, I mean, mine, a couple. Yeah, I you mean, got the top people. You got the top yeah, people that are very it. deserving of yeah. of what they do. They're very deserving of that. Um, so that's a lot of money. Yeah. Then you got Gen X. That's now older. That's the generation. A little younger than us. That's okay. born like 66, okay. 65, I guess. They think that you need $130,000 a year and a million two in the bank. So they're thinking more realistically what to make a okay. year, but a little bit more in the bank because they're older. And then our generation, the boomers, is $124,000 a year, uh, $999,000 in the bank. So they're much more in line with right. where it's at. But it goes to show you the second tier, the millennials, 525 a year. Because That's what they, they want. Because That's the what, millennials probably want that sexy little BMW sports car. They probably are going out to dinners quite a bit, right? They they're, want the sexy house with the walk-in closet and the skylight over the bathtub right. that they could tell everybody, uh, like from their college days after their 10th, right. I've made it. So then the next generation is kind of scaling back. You know, they raise their kids. Or they didn't son. quite make it. Or, right. they, or they, they faced a little reality and saying, okay, I'm happy where I'm at. You know, I'll, I don't need the... Uh, I don't need the Porsche. I'm happy with my BMW or right, whatever. Right, right, right. Well, how about we have here on our loser list, New York City. I mean, how much does it cost to live in New York City today? I mean, think about how much rent is and everything is in New York City. But, but New York me, City's a loser, right, Gavi? You know where, where it's really a loser? Again, it's like, how do you feel if you're in New York? You see the crime that's increasing. You see the rats that are there. And all of a sudden, the mayor says to you, we have to cut back on sanitation workers. We have to cut back on the police. We have to cut back on the fire and rescue. And we have to close the libraries uh, to five days a week. And, uh, and we have to do that so we could pay for illegal immigrants to stay in hotels and we have to feed them because we're a sanctuary city. So the taxpayers, their quality of life goes down for people that are here illegally. When I don't understand... Why you can't just, the mayor can't just like do an executive order and say, you know what, I welcomed them here, I was wrong. I sat on the bus, I said, come on in, we'll take as many as we can get. But you know what, I didn't anticipate this. I was wrong. Right now for a security of what's going on, I need to make sure we're safe and I can't do it, we can't afford it, I need the police. I mean, you're going to cut the police. So... Let me How do you do you, that? How do you well, you you study this. I, I I take you know you're the guy that knows this stuff, and I listen to you. If you undeclare yourself as a sanctuary city, what does that mean? Means you're entitled. Uh, first of all, you're entitled to health care. So if you want to walk into a hospital and you uh, no, I'm saying if you be if New York if he he signs an executive order, he says we're no longer a sanctuary city. How's that help New York City? Because now if you're illegal and ICE wants to come in and deport you because you came in illegally, they can. Oh. Rather than being a safe haven, ICE can't deport you right now. Once you're in that city, it's like a free base. But if you 
did something, if you did a little petty crime, you shop, if you went and did shoplifting, they could say, you know what, we had to arrest you since we're already here, you're out of the country. Right now, if you're a sanctuary city and you shoplift, that's okay. All right, so why doesn't he do that? I mean, he's taking on all these immigrants. It's, he's this, asking. The city's drowning. I mean, you know, what the hell are you going to do? you got a lot of billionaires already left. Now They came down to Florida, They everybody. came down to Florida. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you have, uh, you have, now he's begging other people that are there to help out on other causes. Don't forget, you know, people go to the opera. People go to uh, the symphony. People go to the Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art. I mean, who do you think? Who do you think is going to pay for that? You think that's going to be in the budget? No, they're going to have to all close. Who, do you think? Or the, private donations. Do you think the guy who's selling hot dogs as a hot dog vendor? Do you think he gives a crap about the symphony? No. Yeah. So, so all those jobs, the people in the orchestra, who who's going to watch the arts? It's, it's going to, well, maybe a city like New York City, because there's so much tourism, they'll figure some tax on they're cutting tourism. They're cutting paramedics and fire yeah. I mean, if you're, you're, you're cutting down to the bone here. The easy solution is just we're not a sanctuary city right now. And one thing is, before we came on the air, there was a terror attack where a guy blew up a car coming across uh, Niagara Falls into the United States uh, from Canada. And this is just one of many that's going to be coming up in the next year. That's your Gavi's prediction and is the so southern that lets, border. That lets you to believe. So now, how much money does it take New York when they want to have a parade, when they want to have their Thanksgiving Day parade, and everybody wants to feel safe? First of all, would you go to a parade in New York right now? Would Probably you, not. Okay, would you I f- would jump out of a plane though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't want to go to a, I wouldn't want to go to a parade in New York. And I don't by want the, to be at a parade. And in by New the York. way, a parade is still during the daylight hours where you get to look yeah. around. You know how they say, if you see something, say something. Al Akbar. Yeah, well, that's during the day. <laughs> so let's take the parade and now let's Al-Akbar. change the scene a month later, and it's New Year's. Would you sit in the dark? On New Year's Eve at Times Square with a million people to see a ball come down? I, I just have to believe I would love to see the budget. I mean, literally every single police officer will be working in New York City for New Year's Eve. Every cop. I mean, the budget. <laughs> think about it. I, I know. Every single police officer, no time off, all hands on deck. That's what's going to happen. How about if you Eve. just say... It's really unfair, America. I mean, you know... Here Why not just th- cancel that and just say, you know what? It's Thanksgiving. We're thankful for being here in America, but now it's getting destroyed. Or or we're not going to lay off one police officer, one fireman. Uh, we're going to keep the libraries open, but we're not having New Year's Eve in New York this year. But see, all this is the car... You know, the train wreck already happened. The car already hit you. I mean... In retrospect, the only the only time this is going to change, Gavi, is after the fact, after the library closes, after the Museum of Art closes, after the opera closes. I mean, no, everybody's screaming. So right, right now, now we're just in surgery. So we're yeah, in surgery. Now we have to see how the doctor performed. Right. Everybody's saying we're broke. We're broke. It's like, you know, the, the kid that cried wolf until it's over. You know, it's going to that's what's happening right now. This guy, Mayor Adams, who's under investigation by Biden, has been, you know, screaming, crying wolf or not wolf the truth for what? Six months now. We're broke. We can't do this. We can't do it anymore. But yet he's still managing. to. But yet, if you notice the cities that are crying, it's all it's it's San Francisco. It's Los Angeles. It's Chicago. It's Detroit. It's Philadelphia. It's New York. I mean, you don't see. Boca Raton, Miami. You don't see. Uh, you don't see Dallas, Fort Worth. Well, don't advertise this too much. They may start coming here. You know. I, I, I'm just. You know, it, it's funny. You you walk outside here and it's like it's peaceful. You know, it's clean. It, it's it's the quality of life for an American in New York. All they keep doing is asking them to pay more and more and more. You're becoming socialistic. You're becoming, look, you got people in Chicago are saying, I don't like it here. They're going back to their homes. And well, when do you stop also, the border? But if, if you live in New York and you're a taxi cab driver, you're probably making twice as, or an Uber driver, twice as much as you'll make down here. So they're willing to put up 
and have a sacrifice to make that larger income. I guess I guess they're paying taxes on it. I don't know what their take-home pay slash cost of living in New York is, what that equation all figures but, out By to. the way, did you ever go and get into a taxi in London, in England? Yeah. Do you know they have to go to a school? They have to pass uh, a test. So when you get into a taxi, not only do, you, do they know exactly where to take you, they're actually like tour guides giving you the history of everything that if you ask them a question, they know it. They know restaurants. They know everything. You get into a taxi in New York. I was in a taxi in New York. The guy's trying to make a right-hand turn from the six lanes over on the left. He hits a bus. That's I, magic. <laughs> I, hit my, I hit my head on the plexiglass shield in front of me. He turns around to me and says, take two bucks off the meter. <laughs> I mean, it's like a different, it's, it's like a whole different quality of life. So, well, you know, New York's got a problem. So does Detroit. So does Philadelphia. I mean, wasn't there a murder like yesterday in Philly? Like five people were shot or something like that? Yeah, you know. The, it's like uh, nobody even pays attention. Ah, five people were shot. You, you, you know what's crazy? You know what's really? crazy? It's like in the those states, in those cities, you have to fight for everything. You know, you go to uh, you go to uh, Walgreens or CVS, you have to fight to get your toothpaste because you got to push the button, you got to wait for a person to unlock the door, just for a simple, like your quality of life of what it was, like it's almost like you're in a twilight zone that you can't walk into a store, fill up a basket, and, and pay for it. You can only do that if you're shoplifting. But if you want to do it the right way, it's a 20-minute exercise. Now, the differences in Florida, the only thing that gets us upset, that can make you angry, is like you on the golf course with the etiquette. Give me your, Boy, tell uh, me how I you get, a, how a, do we get angry here? Yeah, I tell mean, me. you know, so I had a little situation this weekend, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I'm taking a bunch of people out to play golf in front of me. It, this is Saturday morning, Thanksgiving week, and it's just packed to the rafters. In front of me is is the senior golf pro, and he's giving a, a teaching lesson on the golf course. Now, first of all, he should know better than to do it on a Saturday morning when the place is just people are peeling wallpaper off of the wall. You know, there's so many people there. Now, he's giving a teaching lesson to a woman, very attractive woman, that didn't know how to play golf. So I'm watching her drop one ball, two balls, three balls. He sees us behind us behind him. So now I'm like saying, I'm being patient. It's one hole. He sees us. He's going to pull to the side. Now we get to the second hole and she's doing it again and he's doing it again. And now instead of on simmer, you know, I'm on medium, you know, the stove, you know, right. the stove. And I'm like, why am I being put in this position that I have to fight? I mean, you know, I paid my dues and, you know, it's Saturday morning, Thanksgiving week. And now we get to the third hole, and she drops six balls on the green, and she's putting. And I'm, like, saying, this is not fair. I mean, why do I have to now call the pro shop and get in a huge fight and put myself? Because now this guy's the boss. He has the power. He has the power. He's going to break my balls. If I turn him in and say what he's doing is wrong, he's going to break my balls, and the, I'm going to have And a the problem. next time you want to play, yeah, he, I'm the last on the list. Right. Yet, he's supposed to know to turn around on the first hole and say, hey, I can only, like, we got to speed it up. We got people behind us. Let them play through. But the second, I can understand you're on the first tee and you watched it the first time. And then you're thinking to yourself, okay. I'm sure by the second hole he won't do it. And then when you watch it on the second hole, you are. You're at a level where it's like, okay, uh, this is, I know he won't do it on the third hole. By the third hole, I would be, like, going crazy. But it just seems everywhere in life people put you in an uncomfortable position that, you know, you have to, you have to then call them out on it. But they have this power over you for, you know, for the – it's like if you're sitting in court – and a judge is screaming at you when you talk back, you're in trouble. If you go, you know, same thing with a school teacher, you know, you're in trouble. If you fight it, a lot of times for your rights, you're in trouble. Here's this guy. He can decide whether IT or, you know, not a big deal in your There's life. There's a solution to it, though. What's the solution? <laughs> I just noticed I'm wearing a shirt from a club that I was a member of for a lot of years up north. Uh, and uh, it's men only. Right. And 
Not that uh, not that I'm against you know women uh, at a but I gotta tell you. Wait, Galvin, sixty eight percent of our right. view, of our listening. No, it's great. But I'll tell you what's special about this: you get to play golf. There is uh, speed of play is very important. A fivesome can go through you if you're slow because speed of play is very important. The quality of the people there, that everybody is uh, is respectful. And you know what? When you finish your round in three hours, you get to spend more time with your wife and your kids than spending five and a half, six hours on the golf course. And then you're upset. Your wife says to you, what's going on? And uh, that's our calling right now. So (laughs) so it happens to be it happens to be uh, it happens to be better to like be a member of one of these clubs well i agree with you but there also should be rules this guy should know better than saturday morning of thanksgiving weekend when the place is packed with that gas and people to be giving a playing lesson i mean he should know to do that on a tuesday but it just seems like you go you know you're you're at a restaurant and so i had a situation there was a very um popular we have we're going so fast here today geez what happened to our show it's crazy my god real fast i'm gonna rest take your time we got time yeah we I'm got gonna extra re- money to put uh, in the meter yeah we got no, time no, we have money to put in the meter well can you go out and put some quarters in the meter no i'm at a restaurant that i go to all the time they have a huge bar and i go there by myself on a saturday night and it's mostly on a Saturday night, the bar is couples, two people. Well, I'm in front of a bunch of other couples. But yeah, but a bar is for single people. I mean, that's what people eat at a bar. If you're by yourself, you don't take a two-top uh, two yeah. or a four-top. You, you sit at a bar. That's right. what I do but, if I'm by myself. So you're a problem solver. Help me pro- solve this problem. I'm in front of these other couples, and two people get up. The hostess seats Two people in their seats, even though I'm first, but they don't want a single. Now they have an empty seat. You know, if they put me in one of the available two seats, they have one empty seat. So now I have to get in a fight with the manager. You know, that's not fair. You know, I'm tired. And you're a regular. I'm a regular. I'm tolerant the first two people that sit down. Look, okay. And you're there all summer long. And I'm there. (laughs) So now the next two people sit down. Now I went from simmer to medium on the stove. It's like, why am I put in this position? I think the etiquette's supposed to be when you go to the bar, it's first come, first serve. That's how it should be. And you could ask someone, because sometimes someone sits at a thing and there's an empty seat on either side. Sometimes you could say to someone, do you mind moving over so that way there's two together? And people, most mostly they... They look at you, and if you're nice, they'll they'll do a favor. If you're a jerk, they might not. But that's but how the, you do it. But the guy that's a single, he's there for that's a single thing. Let the two take a table for two, sit in the bar area. Yeah. But the bar is first come, first serve. That's the bar. That's so, my ruling. So it's an hour and a half to wait for a bar seat. So I'm not feeling bad for that restaurant. They're making plenty of money right. that they have to take a two-seat and make it a one-seat and wait for another single to come in. So I'm not feeling bad, but, you know, it just seems like every everything now in the world is no. You go in somewhere, no, there are no reservations tonight. There are, you know, every, there are no cars available. There, you know, everything. You know what? You, you work been, so hard you, to make money and everything's no. Again, if sometimes you never know what you get, like they could see, seat you at the bar as a single. And how do they know that you don't want two shots of Louis the Thirteenth? And then all of a sudden they find out that your bill was three times as much as the other two people. Right, that are just sitting there having and the an tip, appetizer. Right. Yeah. How does he know that you're going to order you're like problem, a beer? You're a problem solver. You're correct. Right. I would have said to him, you know what? I'll have to get my Louis the Thirteenth somewhere else, <laughs> uh, or I want to, uh, you know, oh, Pappy Van Winkle. I'll get that somewhere else. That's what you should do. So the week's flying by um, again. We, we, got, want, we got snowbirds down here. Yeah, we, we, it's, we, like it's Thanksgiving. The place is jammed. Talk about fighting. We got to now got to fight if you go to a place, beach chairs. All the well, New how about Yorkers. tomorrow, Thanksgiving? I was in a supermarket today. It was insane. You know what they call, uh, by it the way? It was so crazy in that supermarket. You know, you know what they it was doggy New- dog. You know what they call New Yorkers down here? What? I heard someone say, they go, here comes the 212s. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? No. Through the air. Oh, there's a bunch of 212s over there. Well, I also heard this week, you know, you talk often about Biden, cocaine, and 
you know, that's why they call it the White House. <laughs> Cocaine, you know, it's the White House. It's the granddaughter. <laughs> it's the, by the way, it's the granddaughter now. All right, we'll I'm find just letting you know it's it. the granddaughter. And by the way, Joe is in uh, Nantucket. So let me ask. In I, a thirty-five million dollar house, we have we have to run. But we have let, plenty of time. No, we're but but let me ask you a question. So Joe Biden or Trump or whoever the president is comes and stays at your thirty-five million dollar house in Martha's Vineyard, and you're there, you're hosting him. Do you give the president of the United States your master bedroom, or he goes in a guest room? I was looking at the picture of that house today, and I'm saying to myself, okay, Joe Biden's there. The owner of the house is there. Who gets the master bedroom? Well, you know, Greg Norman had a huge house, and he had Bill Clinton stay in the guest house across from the pool. Do you know why? Oh, yeah. No, I have no idea. <laughs> there was a reason why he stayed in but the guest room. But think about it. What would you do? If you have this huge house, would you have them in your—would you leave your bedroom, your bed, your mattress, your sheets— to go down the hall. Yeah, because I would person... have I would have presidential sheets for them, and I would I would have brand new sheets, and then I would be honored to say the president of the United States slept on these You're sheets. Out of your mind. And I would have it like embroidered with. You're pre- unstable. No, I would have it like embroidered <laughs> with the president of the United States, oh, and the so president fun. slept here. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, how many people can say the president of the United States slept in my master bedroom and I had sheets? And your, made? W- and your wife would be okay with that. I would have sheets you'd made. Be, but you'd be down at City Mattress buying a new mattress next week. No, I would have all the symbols of everything in there. But here's the big question. You know, Joe how Biden did he wears get friendly, a diaper. How did he get friendly with this guy that he's staying at this guy's house? He made $174,000 a year for, for 50 years, and he's staying in all these different spots. Well, that's a good question. We're going to have to find that out. Who, and, brought the, who brought the Coke for this house? Who brought it? Is Hunter uh, with him? Yeah. Is Hunter there? Yeah. Oh, Hunter's there. Yeah, they're having this is the, this is the big meeting. This tonight, this weekend is the powwow where they're going to tell Joe either run or not run. This is where he's going to say to the family, "Listen, uh, this is hey Hunter, you might go down here." Joe, how much do they know? I think the this is just family. I think this is where they're going to sit there and have a heart to heart and Joe might say, "Listen, this Chinese thing we might go down. Jim, my brother, might go down. Should I just bail out now and let Newsom take the, throw the reins? What do you want me to do? And I think Hunter might say, make a deal where nothing happens and let's just ride into the sunset. You're 81 years right. old. Your cake almost blew up you the write whole a room. Book, you you see his cake? Yeah. It was on a bonfire. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Anyway, folks, stay tuned for the answer to that for next week. <laughs> We're going to find out real fast if, if this is the week to decide. Thank you. We're on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Apple. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Take care. Cause I'm only-